Thank you for calling Hotline Hacked. Share your strange tale of technology, true hack, or computer confession after the beep. Hey, my university has a system, like many universities, for getting enrollment verification. So if you want to get a student discount, some places will require that you submit a transcript or some evidence that you're currently enrolled. So I go to the website provided by my university, which asks for a last name and a social security number. I type in my last name, I type in the social security number, and I get somebody else's transcript. Turns out I typed the wrong social security number and they don't check against the last names. And so what they provided me is a portal where I can just put in random social security numbers, write down the number I put in, and get out a transcript of, you know, I know they're going to school here. I know what classes they took. I know their address. It's just a great place to get all sorts of information about people. And thankfully, I, I tried it a couple of times just to make sure that this was actually fully broken. Didn't do anything with it, obviously. But I reported it to the security email that I found somewhere on the page, and it did get fixed. But I'm like, hmm. Make sure if you're asking for security questions, you actually use them. Take care. Bye. <laughs> okay. It's just such a great place to get all sorts of information about people. <laughs> well, I, th I think I, uh, what he doesn't that. what he doesn't realize is that he's committed a, a large crime, as is demonstrated <laughs> by the fact that this same thing happened in the province of Alberta by one of the MLAs, the members of the Legislative Assembly, which is essentially like somebody in government, elected official in government. Uh, during the COVID thing, do you remember this? They had like the little COVID certification things and one of the MPs found out that there was a flaw in the yeah. system that allowed you to bypass certain things and would give you information on other people. That MP got investigated by the RCMP or like the police for doing the, essentially Whoa, the, even I totally though, even forgot they, about that. Yeah, they tested it and reported it. So this, this, this caller has essentially done the same thing. <laughs> and now we've got you on tape <laughs> on confessing tape. to it. Exactly. This was a... <laughs> This was a, what are those called? This was a covert operation. Gotcha, buster. <laughs> um, no, not at all. Hey, well, welcome to Hotline Hacked, the hotline you can trust for your, to preserve your anonymity <laughs> when you share stories and content with us. The, the, the other thing I'd say about this is I think this is so common. Like there's so many yeah. systems that are poorly designed from a security standpoint, especially it seems like ones that are like largely database driven, like things like this, where yeah. it's probably put together by like a, a database person who's not thinking about all of the security around the access to the data. They're just like, oh, I can I can build something that quickly queries this information and dumps it to a website. And it's like, OK, great. It's like, why would I put any kind of constraints and checks on this? Like, I'm just going to look up, use the primary key of the social, look it up in the table and dump that record out. And it's like, I, I can't. I can't imagine there's got to be thousands of systems that are broken like this. Thousands. Yeah. There's a couple things to unpack here. First is there is definitely assuming this worked the way the caller described, which is that the thing asked for this portal asks for both your social security number and your last name. It would seem the last name is just going into the void and all they're doing is checking the social security number before they give you access to this information. There's a little bit of duplicitousness of even putting the last name box 
if you're not going to use it. Totally. It suggests you know that you should be getting some kind of verification, but you can't be bothered to wire it into anything. <laughs> so we, we kind of got to put that aside. Um, to, your, to your second point about this happening, about four seconds of Googling discovered that it was the most recent one is the University of Minnesota, who is currently, who at the time of that publication needed to email 2 million former students, applicants, staff, and people whose information had been leaked in a data breach that was discovered in July of that year. The hacker in that claimed to have accessed 7 million social security numbers uh, that was published in the Cyber Express. So yeah, I think you're honing in on something that maybe those databases on campuses aren't quite as locked down as they ought to be. <laughs> it's I like the it's not even like this is an SQL injection. Like you'd use something like sure. an SQL injection attack to get access to data that's not connected to your record and stuff like that. Like if you can get into the database, if you can add stuff to the query, you can pull more stuff out. This is just right. straight up broken. Like it's just a, a complete yeah. lack of security on the on the on the form that they built. Like the fact that you don't have to do anything besides just to, like you could write a number generator that just attacks this thing and war dial the the social numbers and just pull every record from everybody at the school with probably pretty ease. I doubt they have a query limit. I doubt they have anything. So you'd probably do it like really quickly and nobody'd even know what happened. So Another. I had never heard the term war dialing until you just used it. You've That's heard a the, sick term. You've heard the term have war I heard dialing. The, have I heard the term war dialing? Yeah, we've talked about it in episodes long ago. So war dialing is essentially like the old school, back when, back when the internet was phones, <laughs> for lack of better terms, right. when, when, when office workplaces and stuff allowed access to networks through dial-in, war dialing was essentially setting up a, a modem to call all numbers in a band. So like maybe you give oh. it a prefix and then it dials every suffix in that prefix and essentially makes note of which ones are modems that pick up because modems have distinct, you know, ways of answering. And then you get like a list of all, you know, computer uh, computers that are on in that prefix. So that's what war dialing is. So you kind of use it the same way for a number of other things. Fascinating. Yeah. So the, the first thing that I thought when I heard this was like, huh, it's pretty weird that someone else at the school had such a similar social security number. Mm -hmm. So I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole of how social security numbers are generated. And it made, it left me feeling like this is actually totally plausible. Um, so up until 2011, in 2011, social security numbers were replaced with totally random strings of numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's the same length, but they're totally randomized. Uh, in the press for this, they use the term randomization in quotes as though it was like a patent pending term that they had invented. But it just they just made them random numbers. Uh, the Social Security Administration changed the way SSNs are issued in June 25th, 2011. Prior to that point, though... Uh, since they were originally implemented in 1936 for tracking workers' earnings, social security numbers had a really rigid structure. It was a three-digit area number, a two-digit group number, and a four-digit serial number. Uh, and what that basically meant was that uh, if you were born in the same place at the same time, your social security number could largely overlap with other people born in the same place at the same general time. Huh. This was obviously changed in 2011 to sort of expand the total possible pool of social security numbers. Um, I think now there's a 
approximately 420 million possible numbers up for assignment. The previous structure had limited that. That's why they changed it. But I kind of buy it. You get a bunch of people going to the same school. A lot of them are going to have grown up in the same place. A lot of them are going to have been born at generally the same time. I, I kind of buy it. I, I think it seems plausible to me. I seems uh, plausible to me too. Yeah. yeah. The other thing this reminded me of is that scene in the social network where he gets brought in front of the ethics committee for having f- hacked the Facebook, uh, <laughs> like the campus Facebook. <laughs> and it just evoked that, which is fun. Cause I think the other call we're going to be talking about is also set on a campus. Let that be our segue. Let that be our segue. Good morning, Jordan and Scott. It is Chris here from a, chilly autumnal morning in Dublin, Ireland. I wanted to share with you a story of when uh, I had my first job out of college, basically. I was an intern working in a very small company that was based in a college campus, basically. And parking was 10 euro a day, and I wasn't even getting paid, so I thought that was pretty unfair. So I decided to uh, hack the system in my own way. So I I scanned in some... uh, some tickets that I bought over the course of a week, uh, managed to get all of the numbers in the uh, that I needed, I suppose, uh, and the letters that I needed for the uh, days of the week, etc., and the months of the year. And then eventually, what I what I would do is every morning I would just print off from Photoshop a new uh, ticket, and uh, yeah, that's how I got free parking for like a year or two. Um, not exactly a uh, high stakes <laughs> computer hack, but uh, yeah, it's my own personal hack. Uh, I love the show. Keep up the good work. Uh, all the best. That's so sweet. We love the show too. And we're thankful that you love it Thank too. Thank you. We really appreciate that. Okay, let's crunch some numbers here. Parking <laughs> was 10 euros. Homie wasn't even getting paid for the job. So huh. unfair. Assuming he had to go in five days a week. It's pretty quick math. 50 euros a week. How many weeks do we assume he went in per year? For, uh, we'll call it 50? Call, it, call it like 47. 47. Cool. Let's Maybe do 47 times 50. Homie saved 2,350 euros. He did. With this hustle. Assume he ran it for a full year. And again, this is an undercover operation. Gotcha. <laughs> the, so this one resonates with me because this is something that I always... This is your shit. This, this is, is something you would have done. No, this is something I always want to do and never do. So I don't know okay. I don't know if you know this about me, and I don't know if this is in the hack trivia yet, but like I'm a huge tennis fan, and I go to tennis tournaments. And okay. tennis tournaments are very like... They're kind of for the people in some ways, but then they're also not for the people. Like there's different levels and passes that you get that get you better hospitality options, not only better seats, but better hospitality options, better, you know, bars, restaurants, services on site. And they cost way more. Like if you want to get a premium ticket at a premium tournament, it's much more expensive than just getting a general admissions, like site access pass. One's like 50 bucks a day and one's like, you know, 5,000 bucks a day. And the passes that they give out are honestly the most reproducible things I've ever seen at most of these tournaments. Like they're, they're just physical access. Like they're just a, like a placard on a lanyard, the lanyards for sale in the, in the shop on site. So you can buy the lanyard, the placards, like we've honestly gotten to the point of like jokingly taking photos with site staff 
so that we could have copies of their decals in our photos. Oh, sure. Like, but we've never actually done it. Like, it's so easy to do. Like, it would take 15 minutes in Photoshop, a trip to Staples, and two bucks for a sure. laminator, and it would be all done. We'd have full access site passes, get media access. We'd be able to do anything, but we just haven't. I've never there's done There's no barcode? It. Like, it's, it's no. just a site I, There's and a, a barcode, thing? but, like, the security don't scan it. So it's just right. It's, it's a just, fancy tennis thing, yeah. and people would be offended if someone had the gall to scan their exactly. pass, supposing that they were a liar and a thief. Yeah, I got you. So all of a sudden, you just have a lanyard on with a big placard and a photo of you on it, and a, like often like a, a letter or a colored block that designates what level of access you have. And then once you have those passes, you're just free to roam. And every time I'm at one of these tournaments with one of my friends, we joke about making them because it would be so easy and we haven't done it. So I look, I look to this caller and I say, thank you for living out my dark fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) Dark, my beautiful, dark, twisted (laughs) fantasy. fantasy. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I remember kids in high school uh, photoshopping bus passes, which in retrospect was actually kind of dark now that I think about it, because it meant that kids needed to photoshop bus passes. But anyways, no, the story that this reminds me of, uh, Scott, did I ever tell you the story of my first ever hustle? (laughs) Always be hustling, Jordan. (laughs) Always be hustling. On that grind set 24-7. No, my first (laughs) grift, the con that kicked it all off. Did I I ever told you this story? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, amazing. Uh, I was a minor, so for legal purposes, we can also say it was my last. Um, <laughs> so when I and it has to do with parking, which is why I bring it up. So I got a job when I was like they just changed the laws in the province we're from about how young you could be to work seasonal work. Mm-hmm. My parents were like, "Get this kid to work," <laughs> and so I went to go work it. I won't. It'll remain nameless, but it was the big carnival exhibition in town. Uh, Mm -hmm, you would be mm -hmm. familiar with it. It's gold rush themed. Anyway, my job is I worked parking. It was not a great job. Oh man. It was, it was paid, which means it's better than, uh, what our dear caller was getting compensated for his position. But it wasn't a great job. You stand in a parking lot directing cars, either in the hot sun or the pouring rain with all of the authority of like a 13 year old. All the authority that a high vis vest and a light stick gives you. (laughs) A hundred percent. Um, and at some point during this whole, uh, this terrible week and a half, they said, this 13 year old seems like he's really ready to handle a little bit more responsibility. So they put me in charge of a gate and it's a gate that was, it was away from the main parking lot. It was kind of off to the side of the complex. It was a little bit private and it was the gate that people who worked for the, like the property essentially where the exhibition was being held would pull off of a road. I would go open the big chain link gate. They would drive in, go down a road and go park. But it also happened to be the road that packs of people coming from the transit center would walk down on their way to the main entrance. Okay. Okay. And some like people would have the thought, Hey, there's like seven of us tickets cost, whatever, 25 bucks to get in or something, say 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Hey kid, if we give you 20 bucks, would you open the door? And, no one's around. And? It's a big chain link fence. And? The con is on, my friend. <laughs> Criminal. The, 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 Criminal. The, the hustle begins. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I feel a real kinship with you, caller, in that we have both uh, exploited a parking system at some point in our lives. <laughs> I feel a kinship with you. <laughs> so t- let's let's talk more about your con here. Let's get into the the dirty details. How much additional funds do you think you might have or might not have made that summer? You know, it's foggy. We're we're, we're getting pretty far back in the personal history, like around two decades at this point. But I remember it being comparable to what I was being paid for the like. So you, so you, so you doubled exhibition. down. You doubled down. On I doubled rage. down. I doubled down <laughs> totally. You're com- yeah. you're coming home every night with like a stack of twenties in your pocket, and your mom's like, "What's going on, Jordan?" You're like, "Business is good, mom. Business is a booming." <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, I think I learned in that that while I am very compelled by crime stories, I do not have the disposition for it. Because I was nervous. Like, I, I carry, I don't know if it's guilt. It was hard to feel guilty as a 13 year old taking advantage of such a large organization, but I definitely carried some kind of uh, weight after that. And I think I learned in that that I am much better at telling stories of other people's indiscretions, not necessarily committing them myself. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it was, it was, you know, I feel you know, the, the, hustle, the hustle begins. I feel like I was raised in a way where I have like a very strong sense of justice instilled in me. And I kind of don't like it because I think that life would be a lot easier if I was just a little bit seedier. Like I have, <laughs> I have skills and talents that I could use to make myself sure. better off, have a comfier lifestyle, not just money, but like other things. And I just can't bring myself to do it because I just have two, like my wife hates me for it, but I have like this strong beacon of justice that I've been like bred into me and I'm blind to anything but that. And it, and it, and it, it is at my own downfall, my personal downfall. So (laughs) anyway, oh man, with that, sticking it to parking pass people. (laughs) I love it. Um, should we go to commercial? (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements. But your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before. And your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. 
We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit CISecurity.org to play your part. Okay, before we get to our next caller, uh, thanks for listening to Hotline Hacked. If you would like to share your strange tale of technology or parking pass abuse or computer (laughs) confession, uh, go to hotlinehacked.com. You'll find an email you can submit to. You'll find a phone number. It is 1-888-281-8869. You call in, leave your message, and we might talk about it on the show. We have got some fantastic calls we're not getting to this episode. Uh, I'm just going to highlight it because we highlighted it last time. Tonskos uh, spins an epic yarn. We're saving that one for a rainy day. We've got stories about airplanes. We've got we got all sorts of wacky stories. We're not getting to all of them today, but we will in the future. If you'd like to get yours in there, hotlinehack.com. Um, just wanted to try this out. Uh, I don't have much. In terms of, like, you know, I've, I've always been interested in cybercrime, but I've never had anything myself. But um, I did once want to join a Discord server that was called The Family. It was, like, spammed to, like, a random like, dead server I was in. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but that sounds really fun. Like, I want to be in the family, obviously, even though I'm, like, fully not... Um, Hold on, sorry. Let me restart. I got a weird text. My friend spotted me in the wild, apparently. Anyway, I um, yeah, so I wanted to join the family, but I'm not I'm not a particularly savvy Discord user, nor am I someone who goes on and off. It was just called the family, and it sounded kind of lit. So you know, I I kept scanning this QR code, and nothing happened, and I just kept scanning it. Um, and then they hacked my PayPal, got a bunch of like money from it. I didn't really know what to do, so I got a new card on it, so I was gonna freak out, but. Yeah, like they they I they got it through like Discord Nitro, even though I hadn't had Discord Nitro in like forever. So it was really crazy. But they just kept charging Discord Nitro like a few times, and so you know, luckily I was able to cancel it and all that. But I was just like, what what the hell is going on? Um, that's what they chose to do with my PayPal information. But maybe they couldn't do anything else. I really don't know. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah, that's kind of what I got for y'all. So good luck with your hotline. Spotted in the wild. Spotted in the Spotted wild. Spotted in the wild. Uh, you said something in your call. Uh, who wouldn't want to be part of a family? <laughs> and uh, a big part of families being honest. Uh, I did a little research. I think you maybe got caught in a little bit of a thirst trap there, friendo. YouTube video digging into the scam from a YouTuber called No Text to Speech. Really good stuff. And in his video, he digs into what he called three scams that involve exploiting people's hormones. On God, all you horn dogs really got to take a step back and think about things. In this video, I'm going to go over kind of three types of scams I've seen that involve, you know, exploiting teenage hormones. I think these are thirst trap discord scams is what happened here. Go further, Jordan. Tell more. Tell more. Tell more. A person a person gets a message inviting them to this discord server. It is uh, the reason I'm pretty confident this is what we're looking at is because... You know, the, the graphic is, is right in the YouTube video. The family reference is to do with Dominic Toretto from Fast and the Furious. Okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this film franchise. Uh, it's a film all about how, what does he say in the movie? I don't have friends. I have family. Uh, that line is quoted in the 
uh, kind of spammed Discord thing, you click on it to verify, it takes you to another Discord server. And it is there that the victim encounters a verification bot, a fake verification bot in the server that gives you a QR code to scan to verify using the Discord mobile app. Scan with Discord function. Discord QR codes are used to log into accounts. And what they're trying to get you to do there by scanning this fake verification bot is to try to get you to scan their login QR code to log into your account on their computer. Do not use the Discord QR scanning app on anything you see on Discord. It is almost certainly just trying to get you your account logged in on someone else's computer. So, so. then there's the question of PayPal. Caller, I think, generally got it. Uh, there's the remote chance that something in their account made of like some piece of information was used to log into PayPal. I think all this was, was the person using their discord profile to purchase discord nitro, which can then be resold or gifted to other people. Yeah. What I'm guessing is the PayPal was connected to discord and that's what happened. Yeah. I think the same. I think that the PayPal was connected to the discord. They lost access to their discord and then bang, all of a sudden somebody was spending their Spending their Discord-connected PayPal monies on Nitros. Exactly. The family. Cracked that mystery. The family. Yeah, it was one of several of these similar scams uh, that were identified in No Text to Speech's video. But they all uh, typically were paired with some sort of message that you would probably only click on in a... Mm -hmm. A hormo mm -hmm. hormonal flurry of <laughs> poor security protocols, let's call it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Try to keep let's it keep remotely going. PG over here. <laughs> I don't think it would be remotely PG. It's probably like lightly R, if not strong R, light X. Oh, yeah. No, there's a reason we're not re reading the uh, YouTube transcript verbatim. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But okay. I think that's what happened here. And hey, you know what? It, that's okay. And here, here's what I'm going to say. No shame. No shame. Zero. Zero shame. Zero, friend. Zero shame. I'm, uh, I'm sad this happened to you, here. and I'm glad that you're part of the hacked family as we don't try to steal your money. <laughs> this is true. Thank you for calling with your story. Uh, it was a nice reminder that that uh, scan to verify QR code thing is at the heart of... We've talked about Discord scams before on this show. The scan QR code to verify thing is at the heart of like all of those things. So this call was a really great opportunity to get to kind of remind ourselves of that. Mm. Never scan a QR code using the QR code scanner inside the app itself. The app QR code scanner is typically used for verification purposes. If you're going to scan a QR code in the wild, don't use the built-in app. So a few years ago, while I was getting started in my cybersecurity career and had some extra time on my hands and feeling extra ambitious, I decided to try and go after scammers similar to the scam baiters that you find on YouTube. Had a whole setup, green screen, little costume. I had a idea in my head that I uh, would have my face covered in the videos until I reached a certain subscriber point. And um, so I started you know, going after scammers, found forum after forum and, and chat groups that had phone numbers to call and um, created an, an anonymous um, persona with a phone number and all this stuff, had a voice changer, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, I, was, I was trying to be 
as legit and um, technically savvy as possible with my whole setup. On my professional side of my career, I'd been uh, learning how to set up remote portals for uh, managing uh, endpoints uh, remotely and being able to deploy um, the agents for these remote management tools uh, silently in the background. And so I had that under my belt and, um, and I wanted to learn how hackers moved laterally through networks and all this stuff. So anyways, fast forward a couple weeks. Um, I've got a number of uh, scammer endpoints in my portal using tricks I've learned along the way. Most of it was, um, uh, using AnyDesk to kind of do a reverse connection to the scammers and then um, get a, a script running on their endpoint to uh, launch a reverse shell that would give me remote access and be able to launch my remote tools on their systems. Um, and I started making connections with, with other people in the community, um, a couple of big names in the, the YouTube scambait community, and um, they started actually using some of my tools to be able to bring some of these um, bad guys, uh, the scammers, and whoever they could find into my portal. And uh, so occasionally I would have endpoints that would just show up out of nowhere, something that I didn't do that, you know, another scam baiter had done. And one of the scam baiters started going after crypto scammers, um, which was a very different breed of scammer than I was used to. Uh, I was going after all the Indian call center scammers. And, um, and as it turns out, the crypto scammers were mostly Nigerian, at least these ones that we were going after. Um, and some of them were based out of Nigeria. The majority of them, as I learned, were based out of Cyprus. Uh, apparently Cyprus is an area of the world where a lot of uh, scammers from Nigeria f have fled to because of persecution in their home country for scamming. And um, we ended up getting onto this one particular person's computer um, because his friend, who's running crypto scams, uh, decided to borrow his friend's computer to try and um, help my, my scam bait buddy. Um, I put in air quotes, help, <laughs> um, show him how to, you know, release crypto to him using any desk or whatever tool it was. And, um, and so my, my scam bait buddy got onto this friend's computer. Well, it turns out this computer, this person that owns this computer, uh, was an email scammer, I guess maybe like one step above crypto scamming. Um, and if you're familiar with email scams at all, um, they, kind of work the range of romance scams, but primarily um, they will focus on businesses and getting um, kind of a man-in-the-middle setup uh, between businesses where they will um, act as a person on either side of a company, uh, usually between payroll or um, an accountant in a company. Um and, and they'll, they'll send fake emails to try and um, tell a person that, you know, you owe this much money, um, you know, we're, we're expecting this payment from you, where's it at? Or they'll pretend to be a CEO, that's a really common one, they'll pretend to be a CEO, and the CEO will uh, email the accountant 
saying that they need a payment sent through to a vendor uh, ASAP because of you know some reason or you know the payment didn't go through and we don't want the services to end so on and so forth. I'm just going to stop it right there for a sec. Yep. Do, do you know that it's illegal to just mail out invoices? Interesting. I mean, that makes sense That's... that you would have to make a law about that because it makes even more sense to just try and like lob a bill into the ether and see if someone will pay it. Exactly. So the, the, huh. the, this is like an old school scam that like I've seen a few times and actually I still get these occasionally. And it's it's the only ones that I've gotten it with any kind of recency is DNS registration ones. So they'll actually scan the DNS registries and look to see if any of your like sure. websites are coming up for expiration. And then they essentially send you an invoice to re-register it. Because I'm sure for, for you know, every 10,000 of those that they sure. send out, they get a hundred backs or like for every thousand they send out, they get one sure. to 10 back, one to 10 back paid. And they of course charge you like 15 times what it would normally cost. So anyway, I did some research into it a long time ago and it turns out it's essentially mail fraud. And what I would assume is now email fraud to just blanket invoices out because assuming that some company is going to receive it, it's going to be small enough that they're just going to throw it into the payables pile. Right. Just, and just assume, and especially if it's like you're a major construction company and you get like a, an invoice for like screws, you're like, oh, okay, we owe $700 in screws. Like, Seems of our, like something we'd buy. Sure. Yeah. So like, just pay this. And it's like, I, I, I learned that that is actually fraud. So huh. anyway, let's jump back to this story, but I just thought that was an interesting tidbit. No, it's a, it's a good thing to chime in with. Interesting. So enough backstory. I'm on this guy's computer. I've been watching for weeks. I'm recording the screen, just floored by all the stuff I see and also floored by the fact that he is not technically savvy at all. Um, and he's got chat windows open with, you know, his different guys that he's connecting with. Um, and for the life of me, I can't really follow or understand a lot of the stuff that he's saying, even though it's in English because of the slang that they use. And, um, but I decide to, you know, be a vigilante <laughs> and um, help out some of the business owners or businesses that this guy is going after. Uh, I've pulled passwords from his systems and um, and I begin calling some of these companies and, you know, the individuals I mailed will get a hold of. I, I would talk to them and uh, tell them what I'm seeing, tell them who I am, you know, my, my um, alias name. Uh, and when what has happened and when they don't believe me, you know, I tell them the password or part of the password that I've pulled from this gentleman's computer. Uh, majority of the time, the individuals would freak out and ask me if I was a hacker, um, which, you know, it was really hard to convince them of otherwise. Um, <laughs> but the worst one, and this is where the story is all leading, was uh, there's a box company in Atlanta uh, that it seemed like a fairly large company that the scammer had gotten into the CEO's mailbox. And it never really dawned on me until I needed to do this, that uh, it is really difficult to get the contact information for the CEO of a company. Uh, they don't exactly, you know, post the phone number on the website and, I couldn't email him because the scammer is in the email box. So I started calling the company 
And um, routinely, I would get the receptionist and, and I would, you know, tell the receptionist what's going on. Uh, and after a few attempts at trying to get her to get this message across to the CEO that his email has been um, hacked into and there's a scammer that is watching all of his emails and he's trying to, you know, siphon money out of the company. Uh, after nothing had happened, I finally decided to give her my alias anonymous phone number um, to, you know, pass on to the CEO so he can call me. And the next day after I do this, I log on to the scammer's computer and on his screen, on his chat window, I see my number, my alias number, not my real phone number, but my alias number. I see it on his screen and I'm like, holy shit. Because <laughs> as it turned out, the receptionist had emailed my information to the CEO, even though I told her his email had been compromised. And um, that day I received multiple phone calls on that number who I'd given to virtually no one uh, from various different uh, numbers. And um, yeah, so that was a little scary. And I, I you know, was telling all my friends and my boss you know, about some of the stuff I'd been doing. And my boss was like, you know, you have no idea how much money is behind this guy that you're watching and how high, you know, he goes or what skills the people above him have. So please be safe. Maybe stop doing this. Um, you don't want them showing up on your front door. And uh, so soon after that, I, I stopped going after guys like that and just continued on with the Indian scam calls until I got bored with it. But anyways, that's my story. I don't know how you guys are going to cut this up. Um, just thought I would share. Oh, we're not going to cut it up, buddy. We're going to play the whole thing. Whole dang thing. I thought we were going to cut it up and then re-listening to it. I'm like, this is fire. Um, this is so interesting to me. There's, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack in this one. The first is, and this is more just like subjective, but the sort of hierarchy of different types of scammers. Totally. Talking about the call center scammer and then the sort of next tier up of the crypto scammer, maybe. Email and then scammer. I think to use his phrase of one step above crypto scammer, the email scammer, which includes sub variations like the romance scam, but relevant here, <laughs> the man in the middle between two businesses scam. Like on the way to this story, just sort of does a casual drive by survey of the entire phone scamming landscape. I find that so interesting. The, this one's interesting for a number of reasons to me, a, because most scamming scammers, these things, these are essentially organized crimes outfits, right? Like they're not yep. like large call center scammers are essentially organized crime in whatever jurisdiction they're operating in, whether it's India or yep. Africa or wherever getting into crypto scamming. Those are also largely done by organized crime in Russia, the Ukraine, Belarus, mm -hmm. Georgia, you know, you name it. Yeah, the Eastern Bloc loves a good crypto scam. Korea too. The getting into email, like email is actually what I would say. I could see how the I could see how the ladder progresses because an email hack, being like, sure. "Hey, can you pay this invoice immediately?" Coming from the CEO, going to the payables department, is like real white collar crime. Like your your mm. your. It's like most fraud that occurs inside of a business occurs in the accounting department, right? Like. If you're an accounts sure. payable person and you make 
$20 an hour. You can add a vendor for payment, create invoices and key those invoices in and then put the checks into a stack of checks to be signed or automatically sign them if they're low enough on the, the price thing that they're automatically approved. Like there's the, the amount of fraud that occurs in businesses often happens at the lowest end in people in like mm. the accounts payable department, payroll department, you add fake employees and pay them, et cetera, et cetera. So like to jump in and like take over executive level emails and senior people and essentially people that have high levels of authority sure. in the company to sign off on larger expenses and then to f fabricate those expenses and force staff to pay them. Like that's a, that's a, I'll go as far as to yeah. say pseudo sophisticated fraud. Sure. <laughs> And it's definitely more in the like corporate espionage realm of things than a romance scam where you're carpet bombing people with totally, you know, first step in a long con romance type emails like no, you, you hacked a person's system and it reveals how deceptively hard it is to wriggle your way around something like this. Once the email is compromised, because you've compromised the channel through which people would reveal the vulnerability. Yes. But the other thing I found interesting is, is the fact that whomever this is, their employer was like kind of <laughs> cool with it. Like they weren't, yeah, sure. they weren't cool with it, but they were like, you know, you should really watch out. Like these people mean business. It's like, you're getting in the middle of a multi, like multi, multi-million dollar yeah. fraud. And this could be detrimental to you, but also like, you know, see you tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Pre pretty cool boss. Pretty cool boss. Yeah. It, it's definitely like a thank God obviously a very technically technically sophisticated caller is naturally going to use a burner number for anything of course to do with uh interfering with an organized crime syndicate <laughs> uh, thank god you did because that receptionist just sort of revealed the whole uh the whole investigation in that email to the ceo mm -hmm. what i want to know is uh what happened with the company the the end of the story if i'm understanding correctly is Homeboy calls the receptionist trying to inform them the scammer is in their is in their system and can see all of their emails. The receptionist does not really appreciate the spirit of this warning and emails word of that onto the CEO, thus giving the phone number to the hacker. We know that the caller starts getting all these weird calls from the hacker. Thank God it was a burner. But what happened to the company? Do you kind of just throw your hands up and go like, okay, I tried. I, I tried to give you a warning. You just turned around and informed the person I was warning you about. Uh, I'm going to take my boss's advice, be safe, and walk away from this. Like, yeah. I'm so curious what came of this. How much money was drained out of that company? Who knows? The, the other thing I would say is like a word of advice is if you're calling in with something like this, and you want to talk to a CEO, like clearly you never worked in sales. Like you can't get through to the executive branch without coming through a few gatekeepers. If you've got some kind of information like this and you need to get a hold of somebody that cares about it, just ask for oh, the yeah. IT nerds because they'll understand and they'll take action immediately yes. to figure it out. It's like, just that's, go, a, just that's go, a great point. Just go to IT, just skip it. The gatekeeper of, of, of the receptionist is not going to give it any merit because they don't understand it. And then they're going to get, even if you got to the CEO, they probably wouldn't understand it. And they would just bounce you back to the IT guys, our people, and just go to the IT people. Ask if they have a security officer. If they don't, just ask for anybody, anybody in IT. 
And they would have been like, okay, <laughs> we understand what you're saying. You've hacked into somebody. You are a hacker, by the way. You've hacked into a <laughs> scammer's have. computer and you're now like observing his activity inside of our company. That's very valuable knowledge to, to IT people. But yeah, I, the, the, the anti-scammer world is, is fascinating to me. Yeah, we've never actually interviewed anyone that does this. And scam baiting is so fascinating because it can be both done so well. And there are stories of people trying to do it and having catastrophic outcomes. So it's like it's a it's a real tightrope act. People are pulling off when they do it really, really well. But I think we got to talk to someone in this world. I, I, I think so I was, I was I think stoked we have to see to. this call. We got to get scam yeah, so one of the big totally. YouTubers on Jim Browning, I think is big in it. Uh, Kit Boga, obviously. I've talked about him before on the show. Mm-hmm. We have like yeah. the, 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 like almost low level harassment to the scammers. It's so funny. Yeah. Well, and apparently I didn't know about this Cyprus. Cyprus. Do we got to go to, I think we got to go to <laughs> Cyprus. <laughs> I think we got to do a little investigation into what the heck is going on in Cyprus. I think, I think the outcome of that story is that Island Scott <laughs> needs to go to Cyprus. <laughs> I'll see you there. Um, <laughs> Kay. So we, we, we got parking passes, forged parking passes, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, social security number. Bad database design. The bad database design. <laughs> thank you. I could, couldn't quite figure out how to articulate that one. And finally, we have a very intense but fascinating story about scam baiting and why you always go straight to the IT department. Yes. They're the one. They'll kick down the door. They won't email it. Yeah, exactly. They'll just like burst through leaving a like them-shaped hole in the wall of the CEO's office, <laughs> banging a drum, screaming like, turn the computer off right now, unplug it. I always go to the IT department. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, thank you so much for submitting your audio. I think we're definitely going to do another one of these. Yeah, uh, we've got a bunch more. The, this was a bunch more in the files, yeah. so we definitely have to do another one. This was heaps of fun. Um, hotline hacked. Hotlinehack.com. Uh, ignore the bad sec- uh, security certificates or like the absent security certificates on that site. <laughs> no, no, we we we. I gave it a I gave it a security certificate. Do, do we? Oh, I thought I got a. Oh yeah, HTTPS. No, you're right. Totally. It's, it's okay. Been fixed. Well, it's been fixed. Ignore me then, uh, and go to our rock solid secure website to submit your story. Uh, thank you so much for calling oh. in. This was and a lot of fun. Oh, while you're and while you're just visiting websites related to us, you can also go to store.hackpodcast.com. Check out some merch. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Patreon. Well, and maybe go, maybe Patreon. Go, over and go over to our Patreon, yeah. hackpodcast.com. Follow us on our, our socials that we don't really use. So you could be there for the occasional for, tweet. We do respond. Yeah. Typically, if we you do. if you say things to us, but we don't really we're not we're not very vocal. We save that for the podcast episodes. No, we're reply guys on Twitter for sure. Yeah. Uh, and if you live in Cyprus and want to host us Ooh. while we come there and uh, trepidatiously knock on email scammers doors, uh, <laughs> get at us. We'll <laughs> see you on the beach, baby. <laughs> Island Scott, here he comes. <laughs> Island Scott's coming. Try and stop him. Uh, Holland Hacked. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you in the next one. Take care.